Hello and welcome to episode number eight of Fabulous and Female with Ree Pearson. I'm Helen Corsi Cadmore, an award-winning business mindset and fertility coach and a mum to twin girls. And I'm Jane Mack, a visibility coach, best-selling author and mum to two boys. And our podcast is about having honest conversations with busy, ambitious females about growing your business to create financial freedom, having a better balanced life and avoiding burnout. If you enjoy this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fabulous and Female. Today we are joined by the lovely Reed Pearson from North Tyneside. So her background in policing, where she's been a police officer for 27 years before she retired on her 50th birthday. She's also a mum to three children, ranging from teenager up to in their 20s. During Reed's career in the police, she specialised in the domestic violence and safeguarding. And since leaving the police, Reed has produced a book called Be Kind, No Excuses, which is a guide for teenagers and parents to raise awareness of the red flag behaviours that can be a precursor to abuse in intimate relationships. So really interesting to hear about all of this, Re, and welcome to our episode today. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So retell us, that's quite a change in career you've had from the policing into now you've done this book. So tell us a wee bit about it. What's inspired you to do this? Okay, well, I've always been in business. I was a single mum for a very long time. So my youngest is 17 now. And I've been married now. It's coming up seven years. So I was a single mum for like 10 years. I was single when I had my youngest. And I had been single before that. So I had always, obviously, I had a really good job in the police I never got promoted because as a single mother I couldn't have the flexibility of working a shift pattern because I had to look after my kids so I never went for promotion I ended up in a brilliant department that doesn't exist anymore it was called community engagement and you know how companies are divided into departments well the the police is exactly the same And community engagement was a department that um, had all the stuff in it that nobody thought could fit into other departments. So at that time, and looking back on this, it's ridiculous, okay? Domestic abuse, they didn't know where to put it. So it was in community engagement. And that's what happened. I ended up working in that department. I had been the domestic violence officer at my area command with the police station that I worked at. And I always thought about domestic abuse as being where perpetrators should be called to account. I didn't like the that the police were victim-focused. The police should be perpetrator-focused because that is really what they're there for, to get the, mm-hmm. to get the baddies off the yeah. street, isn't it? But anyway, I always had an additional income stream and I was in several networks with this. And when I retired, I retired through ill health. So I, I continued with my home-based businesses And I was in a network when the lockdown came. And so we all went onto Zoom, didn't we? It was like, you know, the strap line from 2020 is you're on mute, isn't it? So we were all on this Zoom call. We were all on this Zoom call and people were were panicking. You know, these are people who have cafes, restaurants, shops, businesses with staff. They were having to work out what the furlough meant for them, um, what was going to happen with her business, you know, there was no contact and everybody was panicking. And I said, look, Mm. how about we think about producing something positive after this time? Because we're locked down. There's nothing we can do about it. 
let's think of like pivoting that became the word didn't it let's pivot yeah let's yeah. think of producing something positive and so we went around the zoom room and were saying well what are you going to do what could you do and, and I, I just wanted to lift it a bit because people were really stressed really stressed yeah, yeah. and I said foolishly um <laughs> well I've been thinking about writing a book for a while and they said well what's it about and I said well I see there are lots of literature out there which is fantastic and it's about domestic abuse but it's after the event yeah it's all about how I survived this and how my ex nearly killed me and survivor stories and I said wouldn't it be great if I could produce a book that would be prevention so Mm. my idea was take some stories, true life stories. I didn't know who I was going to get them from. This was just something that was sat in my head for years. If I take true life stories, because we remember stories better than we remember statistics. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, so I told them, I said, this is what I want to do. I want to find some people who can tell their stories and then I'm going to dissect the story and show them what, where the red flags are right at mm. the beginning of the relationship mm. because I can see them. I can see yeah. them. In fact, I annoy myself because I see them really quickly. <laughs> and that was that meeting. And of course, a month later... Do you think that, really? Sorry just to, to interject there. Yeah. Just, is that because you see them because of your police background? Or is that just something that I have you just got see? A lot of, I've got a lot of experience and I've had a lot of training. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I've worked with some really intelligent women mm. and done home office research and stuff. But looking back, and that's a really good question, Helen, because looking back, I can look at moments in my childhood where things have happened. And even as a small child, I thought mm. there's something wrong there. Yeah, yeah. It's an example. Yeah. My older sister is 11 years older than me. And she was head girl at her school. So I would have been about seven. Mm. And my sister came home from school one evening and said that one of the girls had been uh, expelled because she had come to school and she was drunk. Right. And she was expelled. And I remember very vividly thinking, what's going on in her house if she is going to mm. school and she is drunk? Yeah. yeah. And actually transpired yeah. that that girl became the founder of a women's refuge. Um, charity and I ended up meeting her because she didn't live very far from where I was working and we had that conversation years and years later and there had been some terrible abuse going on and that was why and I remember thinking surely they're going to help her Mm, mm. so you're seeing things before they happen so which is there the prevention so I was seeing things even then it'll be tiny things that happen and and tiny boundaries that are crossed but they're still boundaries there'll be red flags in there Mm. yeah so that, that's where it came from. And then a few months later, I was introduced online to a lady. I had a chat with her and I was on holiday. It was in the break between lockdowns and it was August and we went to Kos. So it was 41 degrees oh. and I had my phone with me by the poolside. Please don't judge. Well, not at all. You're on holiday. You can do whatever you want. You want. I was still working. My husband's. Like, oh, you were still working. Oh, okay. I was no, still working. I may, like, I may judge take, you now. Don't take your phone to the poolside. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I, and an email came through, and the lady had written the story, 
and it was 41 degrees. I, was, I had goosebumps oh, wow. as I was mm-hmm. reading the story. I was freezing mm. and it was 41 degrees. From that moment, I didn't have any choice. I had to write it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have I any guess, choice. You know, that person has taken that time to exactly. relive their and then, story And then you. more stories. Yeah. yeah. They, she yeah. had taken the time. And of course, the stories are awful. Mm. And I just felt that if somebody had taken the time to put themselves through the trauma of writing them, I mean, some women couldn't. I had women come to me and say, would you put my story in your book? And I'd say to them, if you can write it, Mm. I will. But be aware that once you start writing, you may not be able to continue because there's a lot of trauma to process. Yeah. I wonder then, were those kind of situations challenges for you so obviously coming out of the police then going into self-employment and creating this book what were the challenges were there any other challenges alongside people not feeling able to to write you know their background their trauma story for you I think the biggest thing for me was my mindset Mm, okay because I'd been quite flippant in that meeting (laughs) yeah I wanted the focus to be not on the damage that the lockdown was potentially doing to their businesses because they were very worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah, understandably, um, there was a lot of people in that same and I situation wanted, at that time. Yeah, it was awful yeah. because it was the unknown. Yeah. And I wanted to take their focus off those feelings of anxiety and see if I could channel that into something positive for them. Yeah. It has been in the back of my head mm-hmm. for years. But yeah, I just said it because at the time though. I didn't think of anything <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but perfect opportunity. And I, I love the fact that you've actually taken, what's, what's the saying, taken the ball by the horns or whatever it is and actually just bloody gone yeah. for it. And it's well, actually it's such a powerful During the lockdown, because of the nature of my business, my other business, mm. that grew. Mm. That grew mm. quite a lot in that year. Um, so really I was busy and everybody else wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so really I had to fit in the writing bit. But it, it was just a case of once it was written, because I know my stuff, but I just wanted to get something out there that was preventative. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's written for teenagers, really. Teenagers and teenagers' parents. Mm-hmm. But my mindset was once I'd written it, um, I edited it about 17 times. Did you? And then, <laughs> because I was very conscious of the safety side of things, I didn't want a single sentence in the book to be a risk to somebody. I didn't want somebody to read something out of context. Mm. So I had to be careful about that. Yeah, super also, important topic, isn't it? It's, yeah, safety is the thing yeah, right at the safety, forefront of yeah. my mind. Every time I do a workshop, every time I do a talk, mm, I'm very aware that, People who are listening can be in serious danger. And that's like the thing that's in my head all of the time. Mm -hmm. But it took me 17 edits. And then eventually one of my friends said, just press the send button. Yeah. Yeah. Because even (laughs) though it's out there, you can edit it again. Yeah. So it's the the first run of books doesn't look the same as the second. That's what you said. it's It's pivoting, isn't it? Yeah. It's just it's about evolve. having the confidence. But I, I didn't have the confidence with something again. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Mm. Well, actually, I've got years of experience. I've, yeah. I've spoken to probably thousands of women. Yeah. Thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I can do it and I know it. And then people are saying to me, because of the way I look at it, women need this. Girls need it because they're getting into relationships that they could avoid if they were aware of the red flags at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, you were saying there about how you've done workshops and talks. Are you going about that just to get your message out there and to get the book out there to people? Oh, I have some amazingly supportive people who will shout about me and point people in my direction. We ran workshops online last week. I go to different service providers, so mm-hmm. community okay. colleges. Like I go to a community college and the women there, they're under 21, so between the ages of 15 and 21, and they've already got children. And a lot of them are already in and out of abusive relationships and they're 16 and they've got a baby and some of them have got two babies okay we need to speak to women when they're young and that's Mm -hmm. one of the things with me it's like the circle we need to bring women back together because what's happened is as society has evolved we are very isolated so i've set up Mm -hmm. a woman's circle in the town that i live in to bring women back together again and girls that we need to bring from I think from the age of 12 I think a girl is Mm -hmm. ready to learn properly and we need to teach our girls what to look out for and also improve their self-confidence because their self-confidence will prevent them if the more self-confident you are the less vulnerable you are and vulnerability is what perpetrators prey on yeah yeah the back half of the book is all about self-confidence and self-esteem and I'm about to launch a teenage membership called the ABC program which is self-awareness self-belief and self-confidence for girls amazing fantastic so there's like lots of little things going on I mean I've got a membership Mm -hmm. that launched today and I'll be running workshops (laughs) I wrote the book and I expect because I've got Emmy I wrote the book and I expected to go back to bed. Mm. <laughs> and some people would buy it and some people wouldn't. Most people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But that's not actually what's happened in the last year. So it's an accidental business, really. Yeah. I think your passion that comes through and that's the thing, that's what's driven the whole yeah. thing forward. Because from what you're saying, Ree, I don't think there was ever a chance that you were going to go back to bed after <laughs> writing that book ever. And which I think is amazing because you're yeah. obviously really out there trying to pull in communities for these women and for these girls and putting such a message out there. And yeah, there was no going back to bed for you, that's for sure. But you know, you're doing all this stuff where supporting all these women and getting your message out. But you've also got another business on the side. So mm. what do you actually do for you? Do you get some time yourself where you can actually well, do something for um, yourself? I don't I don't live at the beach by accident (laughs) I live here through planning when I was six years old my dad was an engineer he was self-employed he came and he brought me on a Sunday and he brought me and I remember coming down beach road which leads to the seafront looking at the houses and thinking oh they're lovely houses and getting to the seafront and thinking when I'm a big girl I'm going to live here So when I was 26, I moved here and I have progressively, property by property, got closer and closer and closer to the edge. So I've done it deliberately. So I live here because I love it. I go down to the seafront every day. I can't go on the beach at the minute because I take the dog with me and the dog's not allowed on the beach until the end of this month for the the doggy ban. 
for the blue flag. I mean, yesterday, standing on the edge at the promenade, which is at the bottom of my street, and the, the waves hit the rocks and I got soaking wet. <laughs> so I, that's what I do for me. Mm-hmm. I do take time out for me. It's and grounding, out in it? nature and yeah. pretty much being barefoot as much as possible. Yeah. I think oh, that's something too. from childhood. I don't I yeah. love shoes. I have many pairs of shoes, mm. but not to wear. They're to touch <laughs> and they are to look at. Just to look at. <laughs> yes. And stroke. I love that. Stroke. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I barefoot near the edge is that's what I do for mm. me. So I don't I don't work anywhere near full time. I couldn't anyway because I mean I'm, Miami is improving. Um, I think because we've had a very hot summer, mm. because it started off as a tropical disease in my lungs, okay. which is another story, which is why mm. I had to retire, and it has evolved into ME. But now because we've had such a hot, lovely summer, I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps. So it? my plan was to retire to Spain. Unfortunately, yeah. Brexit has put pay to that, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Yep. <laughs> the thing is, you you know, you, as you said, you're so close to the beach. Mm-hmm. You can just close just, your I eyes. Need, and I need put, the heat. I know that my body, your hand. My body yeah. needs the heat. Needs the heat, yep. yeah, of course. Definitely. Definitely, so, yeah. so with everything that's going on at the moment, you've got to remember that you have actually retired, <laughs> me, and that is... Retired. I know, but I was only fifty. Working, yeah, yeah. I was only fifty um, when I retired. That's unfair. <laughs> like, and that is everybody like else is working till they what? I'm not the kind of person who would retire, Helen. To be fair, yeah, yeah. I don't think even if I had a job where I was working till I was sixty-seven, I think even if I retired, I would still do something because yeah. being busy is how I relax. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very similar to I that. I paint, very I make stuff. I, I wouldn't describe it so much as busy, it's just active. Doing? That's what, yeah. that's what I'm at. Just I doing, doing things. Like, I'm, yeah. I always read. I'm. Oh, God, I have more books. I read all of the time. I buy book every week. Ooh, I buy bookshelves. That's... I get bookshelves as gifts. <laughs> because I tell you why, okay? Do you know that scene? You know when Beauty and the Beast, you know, the cartoon. Mm. I've never seen Disney cartoon Beauty and the Beast the bit where he takes her into the library and he tells her to close her eyes and then he opens the curtains and she opens her eyes and she's in the library and he says you can have this I know it's a bit Stockholm syndrome okay but if somebody gave me a library I would be theirs forever I, love, <laughs> I would love a library so for my birthday this month this morning I'm going to book a visit to a library in Durham it's been around since 1743 or something mm-hmm. but wow. you have to book to go in so Ooh. I'm going to book that for my birthday. Go, oh, well, birthday. I'm going to a library. Fantastic. Okay. It's, it's obviously your thing. You know, just, reading yeah. also is a really relaxation, something mm, to do. Yeah. And you going to a library, that's a really special thing for you. Yeah. And what's, yeah, what's really lovely is when, when you publish a book, you're suddenly talking to lots of other writers. Mm. So yeah. I now have a network of writing yeah, friends. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Um, mm. And we support each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I've read some amazing, some amazing books that I wouldn't have come across. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what sort of direction then, Ree, are you heading in now? What, what's your next thing? I know you just said you've got your membership starting today, which is great. What's your direction now? Well, I think really that that's the big thing. Really, truly, Westminster. Mm. I'm involved in another project, which is called Women Are Safe Here. 
which has been set up by a lady who comes to my women's circle. And that lady has been divorced for many years now, but her ex-husband stalks her. And stalking is really quite common. And in 76% of domestic murders, there is stalking prior to the murder. Right. So this lady, she came from another part of the region and moved to the coast and her ex-husband moved to the coast as well. He goes into the places where she goes. The only time she doesn't see him is if she stays home all day. She practically sees him every single day. And and although it's like, well, he's entitled to be there. Yeah, mm. but not within the context of stalking, he isn't. Mm. So she came up with this idea of speaking to businesses so that if a woman, or even a man actually, but it's called women are safe here because obviously that's by far the majority. Mm. If a woman goes into your cafe, for example, and says, look, my ex is, is following me the proprietor will refuse entry to the stalker. You don't need any legislation to do that because it's your business and you can you don't your have business. to have any yeah. customer. Yeah, you do. Yeah. So it's creating yeah. safe spaces for women mm. because any other project like that has always been about getting the woman a taxi and getting her safely home. Mm. And, and while that is a good idea, it actually reduces the space that she can live in it mm. allows stalker to be there mm. and basically ends the activity for the victim yeah, yeah. because the victim has put in a taxi and and sent to wherever is safe what we're doing is we're flipping that and saying actually we're going to call out the perpetrator mm. so businesses in north Tyneside are signing up yeah. for that and our local our local MP is 100% behind it. So even his office premises where he has people come to talk to him, they are signing up for It's called hashtag wash, women are safe here. So okay, that's right. yeah, backing. And he is going to yeah. introduce it to um, the head of safeguarding, the shadow safeguarding minister, who's Jess Phillips, who I'm, I've got like a little bit kind of starry-eyed about her. <laughs> She's so... <laughs> Because she is so down to earth. And for me, prevention is the key. Education is the key. Because we need to teach our girls what to look for to keep themselves safe. But we need to teach our boys what not to do. Because as a society, we bombard them with things like, if at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I don't know if you know this, Ree, but I've got twin girls who are only two and a half. Mm-hmm. But I'm already thinking about, you know, the things that are going to be preventative for them yeah. as they grow up. You know, and it's their their choice. You know, I'm not going to mm-hmm. take over their life, but I think the the preventative side of things in so many areas is going to be so beneficial. Because it's different from when I was growing up. There wasn't all this information that was so easily accessible. You know, and I think it's fantastic Mm -hmm. that there's people like you out there that are creating these resources for the girls and the parents as well to educate us. 
because yeah. there's, there's so much to do as a parent there's so much to learn and you yeah. know try and oh god try and fit everything in um but it's yeah I think a lot of parents oh a lot of parents I know a lot of people will have they'll have sex with somebody before they even know what color their eyes are <laughs> and yeah. my responsibility is to keep my children safe Mm. and I think and it's their parents, responsibility as well yeah well the children need to take that well. responsibility but my my yeah. responsibility is to keep them safe mm. now mm. I have said to my kids you will make choices that I disagree with you will go to that party that I said you couldn't go to however <laughs> if you good. feel that you are in a dangerous situation you're uncomfortable yeah. I don't care where you are even if you know that I've told you you're not supposed to be there, I don't mm. care where you are. I don't care what time it is. My job is to keep mm. you safe. And if you feel mm. like you're not safe, you will ring me. I will come and get you. And I will not ask you any questions. Yeah. Because mm. that's my job. It's yeah. a huge, and if, huge if parents topic, are embarrassed it? to talk to their kids about things, mm. get over it. Just get over it. Have the embarrassing conversations because yeah. the embarrassing conversations become less embarrassing the more you have them. Yeah. And it's your job to keep yeah. your kids safe. Yeah. Teenagers no, take risks. That's what they yeah, do. They, they're they hardwired to take risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to I be think, aware oh, of that. Yeah. You do. I think, Re, you've obviously, you've so much amazing information and advice that parents and teenagers can take. Where can people find your book and where can they find you if they want to follow you or join your memberships? Where can we find you? Okay, um, it's really easy. I call the website repearson.com. So it's like... <laughs> it's the name, yeah. The plan is, I tell you for why, right? It's repearson.com because Be Kind, No Excuses is not the only book that's going to be there. Okay. Because once it was produced, and I hadn't made a website for it because obviously I was just going to go back to bed, but obviously that didn't happen. Um <laughs> And then people were saying, will you write about this? Will you write about that? Will you write about yeah. that? And I was like, right, okay. So repearson.com. And you can get it on Amazon. Be kind, no excuses. And also Wonderful. I've got a Facebook page, a Facebook group, Instagram page, Be Kind, No Excuses. And the logo okay. is kind of pinky purple. We've, got, we've now got the membership group. So you can get onto the membership group and read the details from the website. Also, if you want to do the workshops, we're running the workshops again. It's five days, starts on the 3rd of October. So I work with a lady called Sally Saint, who is an emotional freedom teak practitioner. Emotional freedom. I'll start start again. (laughs) Emotional freedom (laughs) technique practitioner and tapping practitioner. Mm -hmm. Because the work that I do in my workshops is very, very challenging. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm working on at the minute is Women who get into abusive relationships, when they manage to get out of them, they get into another one. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is vulnerability. And you need to learn to be aware of your own vulnerability to protect yourself because perpetrators are predators. And that's what the workshops are about. So for anybody who's either in or coming out of or out of and who needs to learn to trust themselves again and their own judgment, in order to do that, you need to work through what it was that made you vulnerable for you to be a target in the first place and work yes, on it. Too, and and it th- that's very challenging. But and, fortunately, yeah. Sally is amazing. 
and she is the safety net to help you get the trauma out. Amazing, amazing. So what would be your top tip for anyone that's thinking of starting a business, coming out of or coming out of retirement? What would you say to somebody that's starting out? I would say, first of all, you can't always love the stuff that's going to make money. Don't do something that you absolutely hate. But just because you're really passionate about something doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make it into a good business. If you're passionate about it, that's your hobby. Mm -hmm. And if your hobby happens to be able to make you money, then woohoo, bing, that's just brilliant, isn't it? It's like winning the lottery, but it's not necessarily how it's going to work. If you are going to start a business, the big thing for me is, and humans, we're very strange, aren't we? You have to ask for help. Ask for help. Oh, accept. Please help. ask for help and support. Yes. yes. yes totally. Yes. 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 We're That's not the big Get out of your own way in that way. Get out yeah. of your own way. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Ask. Because right. if, you, if you don't ask, right. the answer's already no. Yeah. And also yeah. just work on your self-belief as well. That took a lot for me because I was like, who am I? What do I know? Well, actually, when you look yeah. at somebody, I was in, I'm in a network with another lady and she was doing confidence workshops and she said write down write your cv like write down what you've done and i was like this is a lot i've done a lot Mm -hmm. so i've kept that and i look at it when i'm having that moment of oh can i do this who am i i look at what i've done and i go Mm -hmm. oh my god i wish i knew you yeah yeah absolutely the the testimonials you know Believe people. Yeah. When people tell you you're good, believe them. Yeah. Yeah. We doubt ourselves too often, far too often. Yeah. But it's all there. We've been there and done it. And as you say, looking at your CV, write it all down. It's, you surprise yourself. You do. Yeah. Yeah. You do. Yeah. And it's just having that constant working on yourself, you know, your, mm-hmm. your positive affirmations every day. And yeah. people go, well, that's a bit woo-woo. I'm like, well, I'll have that. Thanks very much. Yeah. If it works <laughs> for you, if it works for you, do it. Works. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever works for you. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've got a woman's circle. Oh, this is crazy. Okay. In June every year, I work as a volunteer with a drug and alcohol recovery service for women called Track UK based in Cleveland. And in June, we had a women-only wellness gathering at a campsite where I'd organised probably about 30-odd people. We had about 40 workshops from running. Mm-hmm. So women, women were coming and doing the different workshops. And a lot of the women there had never been away on their own. They always had to consult somebody before making a decision. Yeah. And because yeah. it was women only, they were going like, well, which workshop should I do? And I'm like, well, which one do you want to do? Well, I can't yeah. decide. Like, just decide. Yeah. Just make the choice. Like, so many women live as codependent. Yeah. And it's just about if you trust yourself, if you learn to trust yourself again, like when you were a little girl, you didn't think about it too much. You just jumped in, didn't you? Yeah. It's like that like skipping rope. Can you remember at school when you were playing in the skipping rope and you would stand yeah. and you would wait to launch yourself and prepare yourself and launch yourself. And once you were in, it was really difficult to get out, wasn't it? Yeah. It was really well, difficult. I if you were stand. rubbish at skipping like me. <laughs> <laughs> I would just stand on the line. I'm six foot tall. I was tall as a deer. You know, oh, well, there you well, go. You so needed two other people in the gym to be six foot tall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Oh, Reed, oh, Reed, this has been lovely yeah it's been yeah, fantastic an absolute inspiration and to anyone listening out there who has teenagers mm. then absolutely I think your message is amazing and keep going with what you're doing one yeah. last question for you Ree a very important question that Helen and I must ask every person that we interview because <laughs> uh, we're all about food Helen and I we love to know what is your favorite cake lemon Lemon Ooh. meringue pie, actually. Does that count? Oh, lemon it does. Oh, lemon no, not pie, for yeah. me. Oh, if you would have said lemon drizzle cake. Then I do not lemon me. drizzle cake, but given the choice, lemon meringue pie every time. Lemon oh, nice. Oh, That's a new right, one, Helen. We've not had, we've not had lemon one. meringue pie no. on here yet, have we? No. Fantastic. Very, very yeah. different. I love the fact that all our guests are so individual with their cake choices. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so, so, so much, Rain. It's a hard subject, I would say, to mm-hmm. for people to really understand. But I think the way that you've portrayed it and what you just said and also in your book is fantastic. So thank you for sharing thank you that so with much. us. Thank you so yes, much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having so, me, ladies. You're welcome. Thank you, Lee. We end every episode with a top tip for you. And today's top tip is you are capable of amazing things. And our leaving message to you is always, remember to do the one thing that makes you feel fabulous. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review.